This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. listeners. I am so excited to get in today's episode. So I don't know about you, but I feel like, you know, at least 10 years ago, and probably I I feel like this is a common misconception right now, most people's version of being energy efficient was running a fan instead of an air conditioner. Um, And fast forward to today, um, we know that that's still a nice move, but technology is actually making it easier than ever to save the planet while staying, you know, cool or whatever you're looking to do. So the rise in residential solar panels in neighborhoods across the country is actually already making an impact. So today's episode, um, you know, we're speaking with James Lawler, founder of Climate Now, to learn more about residential solar, a topic that I think so many people are curious about, but have yet to fully dive into. So we're going to talk about how it works, the cost, the benefits, and more. Um, So James, welcome to the podcast. Laura, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be on. Awesome. So James, could you tell us a little bit about your background in climate science and how Climate Now came to be? Sure, absolutely. So I um, have been running another company called Osmosis Films for about 10 years. And that we create documentaries and all kinds of creative content for organizations. Um, and several years ago, I I, t- I take a lot of courses on online. So Coursera and edX are are um, are great resources, and I really enjoy sort of learning about new things. And I I started in on um, uh, energy, became really interested in energy. I took a course that's offered by David Keith, who's a um, professor at Harvard and and is also a co-founder of Carbon Engineering, which is a direct air capture company. Um, he produces a course or, or rather offers a course on edX um, called um, Energy Within Environmental Constraints, I think is the name of the course. And I, I took that and it just gives this wonderful overview of our energy system and teaches you all about the different um, sort of amounts of energy that we consume, different modes of energy production, and how to sort of think about all of these things, um, you know, as, as uh, you know, weighing kind of pros and cons and, and delving into the details. And it really, fa- it fascinated me. And I, I, it was kind of a rabbit hole from there. And I realized that there's, you know, there's obviously a lot of awareness of Maybe you could argue not enough, but a fair amount of awareness at this point, you know, that our, we, we have a climate crisis on our hands. We need to transition away from fossil fuels, but there's a lot that goes into that, right? And there's a lot of different dimensions to that imperative. And it seemed to me that there was an opportunity and, you know, a need for content that would sort of go below the surface on these various topics 
and explain them to to folks in a way that you know could be a little bit more digestible and and that was sort of the starting point for climate now um and uh yeah so that yeah. that's sort of where it came from <laughs> i love it and honestly like thinking through you know the storytelling aspect is so important because i feel like just like you mentioned there's so much information out there people can get really overwhelmed super easily and so i think talking about some of these topics with both, you know, the scientific um, explanation in mind, but also the audience friendly version of how to get mm-hmm. into it is so important. And, and just, I guess, Laura, that what you just said made me think of one other dimension to it that was kind of part of the genesis, which is that like, everyone, we all, I think, connect with the scale of this crisis and to some level. And, and one mode of engagement with that is sort of do, the doom and gloom mentality, which personally, like, I just couldn't live with, like, I'm not, I can't live in that mode of, you know, the world is ending and there's nothing that we can do about it. Like I needed, I needed to find another way to engage and, you know, climate now I I hope can be that, you know, for, for other people in that it gives you a way to engage through under first understanding. So understanding, you know, more about what renewable energy options we have, you know, what, how exactly do we know that the climate is changing in the ways that it is, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that that's what you said just made me think of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah. there's, there's so much, we get so many questions from our community all the time that talk about like climate doom or just feeling really mm-hmm. overwhelmed and anxious about what's going on. And I feel like so many of us just, you know, kind of, I don't know, but either put our head in the sand, if there's any sand left to put our hands, our heads in, and we just, we get really upset and overwhelmed. And so, you know, having your background and thinking about like why you chose to take the steps that you chose is super interesting. Um, So let's kind of get into the topic at hand, because mm-hmm. I think this is something that our audience, we, we get a lot of questions about this as well, which is okay. like, talking about renewable energy at the consumer or the residential level. I feel like it's mm-hmm. oftentimes talked about from like a large scale industrial perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are seeing that more conscious consumers than ever are making the choice to switch to green power. We found um, a statistic that said in the last decade alone, solar has experienced an average annual growth rate of 33% um, and it, the market just continues to grow and grow. So let's talk a little bit about like maybe why this shift is happening. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so I think there's three main um points you can look at. And maybe the third is sort of a sub bullet to the first, but I think the, the, the drivers of the shift are first climate. Um, and this is not in any particular prioritized prioritized order, but I think that the reasons are, are number one climate. People are aware that, you know, being, um, self-sufficient and, and green in their energy production is, is a good choice for, um, for the environment and that, less greenhouse gas emissions are released if you're powering your home or anything, you know, from solar energy. Um, That's one big thing. Cost is another big thing. The Energy uh, Information Administration or the EIA forecasts that, you know, utility power rates are going to rise, you know, something between 33 and 83% over the 25-year typical life of a solar photovoltaic system that might be on your house. So we are facing increasing, you know, energy costs and, you know, increasingly solar is a good investment 
Um, there are also credits. So there's, you know, a, a tax credit program in place um, called the ITC, which offers a um, basically between a 22 and 26% tax credit for solar systems that have been installed um, from 2020 to 2023. And, you know, that, that that credit is set to expire in 2024 unless it renew unless you know it's renewed and we'll we'll see if that happens. But you know, climate sort of cost and credits, I think, are are some of the big things that are driving this. And of course, as you mentioned, the cost of solar. Um, actually, I'm not sure, Laura, if you mentioned this, but the cost of solar is also declining significantly um, at the same time. And you know, so much so that today, you know, in 42 of America's largest 50 cities. Um, you know, a fully financed, you know, typically sized solar system on the on the house already costs less than energy from a residential customer's local utility. So um, it's already, you know, less expensive for many, many people. And it's it's growing more so. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as we think about some of these you know, bigger trends within conscious consumerism, it's always going to be a balance between, you know, accessibility, affordability, um, and, you know, essentially, you know, ease of use, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because mm -hmm. I feel like before, if you would have told me 10 years ago, hey, let's put some panels on top of your house, I would have been like, uh, excuse me, <laughs> like, well, what uh -huh. does this actually mean? Right. And I think right. I I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, this becoming more and more, you know, financially accessible and, and easier to, to implement. So super exciting. Um, so let's talk a little bit about why, like, so we've talked about how we're excited that this is growing, but really why does it matter that homeowners, you know, switch to solar energy? Sure. Um, so essentially that what is driving the climate crisis is the concentration of greenhouse gases that is you know growing in the atmosphere. So we release today when I say we I mean you know all of human civilization releases today something on the order of 40 billion tons. So this is actual tons, actual weight of gas of CO2 um, into the atmosphere every single you know every year and that amount has been growing. So we've developed this, you can think of it as a blanket of carbon dioxide around the earth um, that is thickening and has basically been thickening since we started to combust fossil fuels, um, you know, it, which we started doing in a big way with the start of the industrial revolution. Um, and this concentration has been growing, this blanket is thickening, and CO2 has this property um, that it traps heat. So as that blanket gets thicker and thicker, we're getting warmer and warmer. And it's not, you know, depending on where you live, you may experience this to different degrees. But on average, you know, the, the temperature is warming around the world. Um, and obviously, we see that, you know, certainly in the news, in particular local spikes, you know, which are becoming more frequent, fires are becoming more frequent, storms becoming more frequent, et cetera. So, so it's a huge global crisis. Um, and so how are we responding? Well, we're looking at each sort of area of the economy because we use fossil fuels for everything. And we're asking, how do we reduce the amount of fossil fuels that are, you know, that, that, that we use to produce those services um, that are produced in each area of the economy? So in our conversation today, we're talking about energy that is used in the home. You know, and, and this is one area where, you know, there is opportunity to, you know, 
to reduce the amount of fuel that's burned to power the services that we consume, the electrical services that we consume in our homes. So that, yeah. that's why it matters. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, there's there's also always, you know, people thinking through the concept of, well, becoming more eco-friendly means taking something away from my life, mm. right? So maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't, you know, run the washer so much or run the dryer mm-hmm. or like consume as much electricity. And of course, we want people to think more strategically, perhaps about the way they consume energy. But, right. you know, at the end of the day, we have to consume energy. More of us, yep. for instance, are working from home. I am recording this podcast from home. You know, we have got to power the computer and our router. And, you know, we're not going to be able to get away from, from, I would say, most energy consumption that we're already doing. So I think the next step would be, as a conscious consumer, to think about, yes, well, okay, if I can't, you know, if I've, if I've optimized my personal setup um, and, and I, I can't consume any less energy than I already am, how do I then get it from a more renewable source? And so I, I love the way that you described it. It's super interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I want to point out one thing, and I know this, our conversation today is about, you know, generating electricity through solar panels and you, and so generating energy, but it's very interesting to, to this question about like, y- you know, using less energy, um, um, I think is an interesting one just to, just to look at for a second. Um, the, the concept of energy efficiency is actually hugely important to this conversation and energy efficiency basically means, you know, the ability to get the same energy services, meaning like, you know, your, your hot showers and your, your cold beer, if you will, um, but using less energy in the process, right? And and energy, and if we can increase energy efficiency, this is actually by far the biggest lever that we have to pull to reduce to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the power generation, you know, electricity generation sector. And I think it's it's something that's easy to sort of um sort of gloss over because it's hard to see energy efficiency, you know, like we can see solar panels and we can see wind turbines, but energy efficiency sounds like maybe kind of a not so sexy thing because it sounds like we're, you know, giving up something, but, but actually, you know, it's sort of interesting to reflect on, you know, a couple, one statistic, which is that, that our annual U S energy consumption is about the same now as it was in 2000, in the year 2000. So 22 years ago, even though the GDP has gone, has grown by 30%. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. It's really, it's really fascinating. And so we are able to, you know, sustain growth, sustain, you know, getting what we want, but do it for less. And there are quite a few companies now that are kind of springing up, um, that are trying to basically monetize efficiency gains. So there's, there's one called Sealed, for example, which is kind of cool, which essentially um, offers um, retrofit services and insulation services and other services that you can you can apply to your home. And I think you pay very little, if any, upfront cost to Sealed. So they come in and do it, and then you they take over your electricity bill, right? So they're making the money. They're making money for themselves on the difference between your electricity bill once you make the improvements, which is less than what you've been paying previously. So it's this wonderful model where they're incentivized to deliver greater efficiency for you. And, you know, the comfort of your home is improved and all of that stuff. So if folks want to look into that, that's, it's obviously not about residential solar, but it's, 
you know, pertinent to this, <laughs> what we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. No, that that's super interesting. And I, I also am excited about different companies kind of to building on what you're saying that are springing up to help meet the needs in creative ways, like not mm-hmm. just saying like, okay, I'm going to build a company that puts more solar panels on people's homes. Like, uh, you know, the, the company you just mentioned sounds super interesting. So yeah, listeners definitely check that out. Um, so when we think about, you know, the, we, t- we talked a little bit about, about the benefits. Um, so what about, there's a lot of people who, you know, might not even be able to put them on their, on their uh, home because the home isn't getting enough sun. And, you know, there, yeah. I, sometimes there can be some challenges around, you know, the overall, uh, I guess, uh, initiative from a homeowner owner's mm-hmm. perspective. So let's talk a little bit about that. Cause I, I think it's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's a couple of interesting points on that question, right? Um, so the degree to which solar is economically helpful to you as a homeowner is going to depend on the percentage by which it reduces your energy bill, right? Um, and actually, I, I I found a study, but it compares um, the amount of the amount of power. Um, it looks at different cities. So, so the, so it looks at, you know, homes in Chicago, homes in Boston, homes in Phoenix, and I think maybe Florida. And there's two columns, right? And on one side, you see um, how much energy does the average home in those different places take from the grid and how much energy can be produced from panels on the roof, right? And so what's relevant is like the percentage or the, the ratio between those two things. Um, so in Boston, for example, the amount of energy that the solar panels can produce is less than, than what you can produce in Phoenix, right? Phoenix, Arizona, because there's more sun in Phoenix, Arizona, but the total amount of energy that the average home in Phoenix pulls from the grid is actually a lot more than it is in Boston. Mm. So people in Boston who put solar on the roof have a much bigger sort of discounted energy bill than people in Phoenix, Interesting. Um, makes sense from a logical perspective, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's one of those things where, you know, if you're just thinking about where could solar be like best for you if you're a homeowner, like you might think that it's really places where it's sunny all of the time. And that's actually not true. So so that's that's one sort of interesting, interesting fact. There's there are a couple tools that might be useful if you're a homeowner thinking about getting solar, right? One is um, the National Renewable Energy Labs tool, which is called the PV Watts, so standing for photovoltaic watts calculator. And you can look this up online. And what that does is, is it estimates the energy production and the cost, and I'm quoting their website, of energy, uh, cost of energy of grid connected photovoltaic energy systems throughout the world. So it lets homeowners, small building owners, installers, and manufacturers easily develop estimates of the performance and potential of PV installations. So that's useful to look at. Um, another thing that's useful is um, this group called Energy Sage. So that's energysage.com, which basically helps. Can, can make it easier for you to get competing solar quotes. So these are quotes from solar installers online um, so that, you know, so that you can basically, you know, quickly figure out, A, is this something that you can do, you know, where you live and B, you know, um, help you actually, you know, price out uh, an installation. Um, 
So those are those are two places to go, and there there's some other links as well. I can I can share with you after this, Laura. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so again, I think they're just having these different tools that you know enable people to do research and understand. Like for instance, um, we always wanted to put them on, you know, uh, so the solar panels on my home when I lived in California, but we didn't have uh-huh. enough sun. Um, and same thing goes for my 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 new home here in, in Washington. So like it, my husband and I are really excited about it, but it's just never been possible for us. So, so listeners, obviously not everybody is going to be a candidate, um, but you know what, like just, just doing the research and understanding if it's a viable option for your your home and your family um, is really interesting. Also, we can't forget folks that aren't homeowners and, you know, folks that are like are, are living in rentals. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's obviously a huge, huge portion of our population. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are in this bucket. So, you know, wh- how about like, you know, what if you're you're renting? Like, it is, I wonder if there's like a way people can filter uh, new apartment complexes and things by energy source. That'd be pretty cool, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it would be. Um, I mean, there are things called, there is something called community solar. Um, and you know, commu- the, the concept of, with community solar is that there are kind of local, um, you know, uh, solar projects and you can essentially, um, you know, purchase your energy through those, you know, from those projects. And this, this works in different ways, depending on where you are, but if you were to Google, you know, community solar and, and then, you know, you specify where you live, you can find different options in your area and see if that's something that's, that's available to you. Um, so there, there are ways to kind of access, uh, solar power, even if you, you know, are not putting, um, panels on your roof. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, it's, it's all about trying to be creative when we think about like the impact that we're having, um, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the environment. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've talked a lot about like the, the solar uh, perspective or rooftop solar, but, you know, are there other kind of ways that we can, you know, empower people to incorporate other sustainable energy alternatives into their homes? Like, I, I feel like well, there's probably a few we could think of. Yeah. Um, so utilities, so energy utilities are increasingly aware of the fact that people are demanding renewable energy and demanding solar, you know, demanding solar, wind, et cetera. And so increasingly, like consumers are, are being given an option um, to, you know, uh, of, of purchasing energy, you know, from renewable sources. So it may be something that is already offered in your area. Um that you, you know you can actually make a make a selection e- either directly from you know your energy provider or some intermediary, um, even if you're not sort of seeking out community solar projects or other you know um, other facilities. So 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 yes, there there is a way to do it without actually you know um, installing anything yourself in some places. So in some places that that's not possible, but you know utilities. Are are definitely aware that this is something that their customers are increasingly demanding. Um, you know, there's also you know geothermal, which is not certainly not available to to everyone. It's um, it can be expensive to install, and you know um, it, it has those challenges. And it's 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 hard to actually you know it's it's harder to do like a geothermal retrofit. Um, but geothermal energy is very interesting. It turns out that you know, if you go far enough down um, into the earth, the temperature stays fairly constant at, yep. you know, 50, 60 degrees. 
And so when you run, you can run a fluid sort of through a pipe, you know, through a network of pipes um, and bring that fluid back up into the home through, you know, through pipes to keep, you know, the house at sort of a baseline temperature at that, at that number. So 50, 60 degrees. And then the amount of energy that you're using in your heating system only needs to get you from that baseline, you know, up to whatever temperature you find comfortable or conversely, you know, down to whatever temperature you, you want in your, your cooling system. So geothermal is a very, you know, very interesting. And, and if you sort of have that option can, can be a, certainly a good thing to explore. Absolutely. I mean, there's just, you know, I think a lot of it that we we've kind of covered this, but thinking about everything from a regional perspective um, mm -hmm. and, and understanding like what the most efficient way to get a more sustainable energy source into your home that is, you know, adopted and available in your region is really important. So listeners will link to some tools and some, um, you know, just other really interesting information sources in our show notes, if you're if you're interested in getting, um, you know, you know, more information about this, but James brought up a point that I think is, is really important. We talk about this often outside the context of residential energy, but you know, bigger corporations do understand that consumers are looking to have more sustainable choices available mm -hmm. to them. And so even if you aren't able to do any of the things that we outline from an individual perspective, which we get it, like there, there's a lot going on, you can mm -hmm. still contact your energy provider that you use already and say, look, what is your plan to get us to a place where we are using you know, what energy that is coming from a more sustainable source. Like you can email their customer service. Um, you can look at their website. Oftentimes these energy companies will put out that kind of information in an impact report or, um, you know, on their, you know, FAQs. So thinking about these things from a consumer advocacy perspective is also really important. Right. And, you know, I also just want to, on that point of sort of what can the average person do, um, you know, to reduce the energy they use, you know, to be more efficient. I, I do want to come back to energy efficiency and, um, you know, simple things like, you know, if you're building a new home, making sure you've fully insulated, you know, your home as much as possible. Um, it, you know, if you're in a home that is, you know, is maybe a bit older, doing things like, you know, just plugging up some of the gaps. I mean, the average home I think has, um, if you were to sort of combine all of the little gaps in the walls and and places where um, you know warm air exits or you know hot air comes in, you're talking about a very sizable you know hole essentially that we that many of us just have in our houses that is that's letting energy stream out um, and doing doing what we can to you know to mitigate that is is actually a you know significant lever that homeowners have to reduce their energy footprint. Um, so um, it's worth, you know, just underscoring the, the power of efficiency as a, as a tool. Absolutely. And so listeners, I'm kind of transitioning into kind of the end of the episode. Uh, you may or may not know, like we did just talk about at the top of the episode, but James hosts his own podcast called Climate Now. We've talked about that, but um, it, it's rare that I actually get a chance to talk to another podcaster on the show. And, you know, thinking about the impact that both of our platforms have had, I'm curious to know, James, like within the conversations that you've had hosting Climate Now, like 
what has been in, inspirational to you? Like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like you've had the opportunity to talk to so many, you know, engineers, scientists, activists, and well, tell me a little bit more about like how you're seeing this movement progress yeah. from your experience. Absolutely. So, you know, our focus at Climate Now has been really um, more of a technical one in in terms of the, you know, the where we sort of, you know, put our put our emphasis and one of the most interesting things and sort of most hopeful things is is just the um the cost profile of renewable energy um the the speed at which it's coming down um and the speed at which it's being adopted these adoption rates and the growth in this in the markets for solar and for wind um are just and and also battery storage i should say are just you know extremely high and when you have technologies that have those kinds of profiles, um, so there was actually a very interesting study done by um, uh, scientists who you know who study prediction and how how we're able to make predictions and under what circumstances we can predict, you know the 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 adoption of a of a particular technology. That's when cool. you have cost profiles that look like that, you can basically say with a fair amount of certainty. That these technologies will be totally dominant in a time frame that you know um, should work out for us from a you know a, a climate standpoint, um, you know by the you know by the year by later in the century. So anyway, and and I can I can share some of these links you know with with you as well. Um, but that 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 sort of fundamental fact about cost profile is is actually quite quite exciting to me personally. Absolutely. No, I, I think that's mm-hmm. so interesting. And honestly, it um it kind of brings me to the the last question that we ask every one of our guests, which is it's it's similar, but I think you can maybe approach it even from a more like everyday person perspective. So mm-hmm. we ask our, our guests like from where you sit, what is exciting you the most about the ethical ethical and sustainable consumer movement right now? Like are there mm-hmm. any you know, technologies, companies, individuals doing amazing work that we, we should be on the lookout for. What's sort of most exciting to me about this space is that it's just exploding with innovation. Um, you have these conditions that are just perfect for innovative companies to come along and grow really quickly in that, you know, business models are changing. The cost of renewable energy is plummeting, you know, extremely fast. Um, you have a huge market. It's literally a you know, global market of consumers that is shifting in terms of what they're asking for from companies. And when you combine all of those factors, you know, uh, you know, as well as just kind of the sense of mission that we all have as human beings living on this planet, you have these perfect conditions for innovation. So I think, you know, I mentioned the company Sealed uh, earlier in the episode. Um, there are so many companies that are offering consumers new ways to engage with um, uh, the, you know, a cleaner energy future. You know, another one pertinent to the solar conversation is called Legends, right? Which I, full disclaimer, I'm, I'm an advisor to them, but they're interesting in that they give, um, they give, you know, retail investors. So, so the everyday person access to purchase uh, solar panels from commercial solar facilities, for example. So, Hmm. you know, yeah. So if you can't, if you can't put it on your own roof, you can actually buy, you know, shares essentially in larger, 
uh, commercial solar facilities and, you know, um, you can sort of, you can see the energy production and, and actually get the money from selling the, that solar energy, um, to, to off takers. So that's, you know, legends.solar. So there's so many things that are exploding and, and, um, that makes me really, that's very exciting. Same here. I mean, I, um, I get so excited by just, you know, the ability to interface with a lot of these companies, individuals, et cetera, like we do from, from our, um, seats, uh, behind the mic. But I also think just from a consumer perspective, the amount of products and, and you know, and, and just press releases and all these things that I see coming out on a daily basis is, is really exciting. Um, so listeners, uh, like we mentioned, uh, James and I had a ton of resources that we talked about in the episode. So we'll include those in show notes. But if you're interested in learning more about uh, James's podcast called Climate Now, please check it out. We'll include a link to it um, as well in the show notes. But of course, you can find it wherever you listen. James, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Laura. That was really fun to talk to you today. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And as a special thank you to our listeners, use code GOODTOGETHER to get 10% off all products in Brightly's brand new shop full of planet positive swaps for your home. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social, where I know you can find us at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together, so have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.